Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to Food News. I'm Juliette Littman. And I'm David Jacoby. Let's put 30 minutes on the clock. 30 and minutes. And we are both traveling back in time across the ocean and into the internet abyss where we are here to talk about some stories related to our great Spain trip. I'm still thinking about it. Food News Spring Break. It was a great time. Um, and so we'll do some some current stories and, you know, we just want to tell you a little bit more about it. And let's begin with a story about one of the cities we visited that I still can't properly say, but I'm going to try it anyway. Malaga. Malaga. Are we sure around that? Yes. It's phonetic. Spanish is, you just read it. Malaga. All the A's sound the same. It's easy. Okay. Malaga. <laughs> still not there. Malaga. It's been it's been ranked as one of the top 100 cities worldwide for the best local cuisine. Congrats to them. Yeah, shout out to them. I mean, we did have some really fucking good food there. So yes. not entirely surprised to hear it. But um, also this, I had to like, Mike gave us the link to one of these stories. And then I had to refind it again because I didn't have access to the webpage. Mm-hmm. But many places have written about this because it's a big deal. <laughs> 64 out of 100 cities in the world. And in, it's, uh, I think only Madrid is ranked above it. Of in Spain. In Spain. And Spain is pretty good. Um. It's supposed to be representative of both Mediterranean food in southern Spain uh, and also all of the fresh products. And I, I can confirm that is true. The meal that we had there at Los, Pati- at Los Patio de Beatas was so good. So good. Also, we walked past a lot of places that I wanted to eat. And the other thing that I think was underrated and we should have we should have highlighted more is all of the like street side dining that people were doing. Just like, however, very concerning. As foreigners, while uh-huh. we were there, one of the most jarring things about the culture of Malaga was the fact that they can just drive on the sidewalk. It's seemingly willy-nilly. Well, the sidewalk is the street. The street, the street is, is the sidewalk. It's, it's like Michael Jordan said, yes. the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, like, sometimes when I sit outside in um, outdoor dining in New York City that is now, like, merged into the street post-COVID, my wife is like, are we going to get hit by a car? I'm like, no, we're not. But... She feels that way because really there's concrete underneath us. But if you're on the sidewalk in Malaga, the chances of being hit by a car are pretty high. Well, I wouldn't say the chances of, I mean, I feel like you're discouraging people from eating outside. Fair. And it seemed like people had a great time. Yes. I liked it because it was like Paris vibes, but you're in Spain. It's a totally different type of city. Mm-hmm. You're on the Mediterranean. I don't know. There was just a lot of like, there was a lot of like sh- like street life happening, and yes. I I love that, and I feel like that was a big part of the restaurant scene. So yes, also, I really I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed that place because it, you were there was just like commuters everywhere. 
Yeah. Walking around doing their Actual normal things. City. Yeah, it was a real city of like buses and like people with like without smiles on their face, like not going to the beach. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's, it seemed I like liked it. people were, it reminded me of Santa Monica in a way. Maybe yeah. because of who the beach was, but yeah. it seemed great. And, it. you know, now everyone else would know. Plus, the New York Times has gone so hard on Picasso because it's like the 100th anniversary of his birth, I think, or of his something of his death. Anyway, a lot of Picasso content in the New York Times, yes. including the museum we went to. Loved the Picasso Museum. No idea that every new room you went into introduced a new wife in his life and <laughs> and how that wife in his life influenced his art of those five years. Then you walk into the next room and you're like, and his new wife. I was like, how many, how many times does he got to get married? Picasso had like a new like, lover muse every three years. Well, he was busy. He was a prolific yes. artist. And also, like, I'm a dumb person. If you're like, when did Picasso paint? I'd be like, I don't know, late 1800s. I don't know, maybe mid 1800s. Like, nope, it was like 30 years ago. Picasso was painting. That also leads me to it was. It's been 50 years since his death. That's why there's all of the Picasso content from the New York Times and elsewhere. So, well, I picked up some of the museum. It's on my walls now. All right, next. Oh, how does it look? Mm, pretty good. Oh, that's not a big endorsement. No, it's just, it's my fault. Okay. Yeah. Well, do better. <laughs> I will. Thank you. <laughs> Next, a new disgusting candy has hit, hit the shelves. It's called, I, I don't even know how to say this, Truffvilles. Truffville. 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 Yes. Uh, Velveeta and uh, Comparte's uh, chocolates mm-hmm. have teamed up to make a white chocolate Cheese-flavored outside. white chocolate it's truffle. A, it's a white chocolate outside. And the inside is Velveeta cheese. No, it's cheese-flavored white chocolate. So it's an orange-white chocolate. So it's white chocolate mixed with cheese flavor with cheese goop in the middle. Yeah. Yes. The inside is cheese goop. Yes, and but also the white chocolate is also infused with cheese flavoring and coloring. So gross and also hard to understand. I did like the fact that it looked like a shell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, I, I like the visuals like, yes. of it. I was like, oh, it looks sort of like a Velveeta-covered pasta shell. But uh, were you a little intrigued? No. Okay, earmuffs. Mike, order some. Mike, order some. We'll try it. Okay. Yeah, you don't need to whisper that. Anything for the pod. I'm in. Okay. I mean, I just think it looks gross, but I don't know. Also, the box looks like Peeps branding, not like Velveeta cheese. Mm. So. Chocolate and cheese. I'm trying to think of combinations of that in history. Um, I don't think it exists. Maybe there's a reason for that. Yeah. I <laughs> maybe, mean, maybe I'm sure someone's tried it before. I'm sure there are examples. There are, you know, exceptions to this rule, but I can't think of a dish where it's like, we took some cheese, we melted it over <laughs> chocolate or vice versa. And now we're, and now we're good to go. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Spain. And today's episode is brought to you by United Airlines. Whether you want to try Huevos Rotos in Madrid, Shrimp Paella in Barcelona, or Papas Arrugadas in Tenerife, Canary Islands, United offers flights to more Spanish cities and any other U.S. airline. Plan your trip today at united.com or on the United app. Remember, flight schedules are subject to change. And I just want to say, we really recommend going to Tenerife in the Canary Islands, which you can fly to direct from Newark in six and a half hours. Um, Also, if you have kids, great kids location. Water parks all over the place. Seriously. There's water parks on the way to the water park. There's a lot that I want to go back there to check out because there's so much to do, including a lot of volcanoes. And almost all on Tenerife, there's like over a hundred and all but one are dormant and Mm -hmm. inert. And then this one is dormant. But on a different island in the Canary Islands, there's a restaurant that uses the, the, the heat from one of the volcanoes to create a stove where then they can grill chicken and 
It's like pretty fucking cool. This place it is, looks awesome. This it, place was, is it was built a while ago. Yeah. It was built in, like, I want to say, like 1980. And um, if you look at it, it looks sort of like a well, like a like a traditional old well that like in fairy tales people would fall down. But instead of water at the bottom, it's lava at the bottom and the heat goes up and it kind of looks like when when someone turns a trash can into like a barbecue. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like they've just kind of got like a metal grate over this like lava well. And then they just put out meats on top of it to grill them. And it's a, it's apparently it's a 750 degrees. Lava. Lava. It's crazy. Heating it up. Yeah. And the grill is six feet above the lava. I just think it's really interesting because, I, first of all, I've never like really heard about this. This island is called Lanzarote and it has 200 volcanoes. Um, and I feel like when you think about volcanoes, like it feels way more threatening. But in the yes. Canary Islands, it's just part of the life there. Like there are volcanoes and yes. people just like live it up. Yeah, the same way that that we're like, I don't know if I want to eat at a restaurant on a live volcano. That sounds dangerous. They're like, you guys built a city on a fault line. It's the second it's biggest city you guys have is on a fault line where there's earthquakes. Where we're like routinely like this hasn't exploded for 200 years. I think we're fine. That's a really great point. And our awesome tour guide, who you're going to hear from later, Jaime, uh, when we were in Tenerife, was like showing us pictures of all the different um, like uh, climates and, yes. and different like biomes they have on this island. And it was like really fascinating. I it's don't just, know. It's not a huge island. And it's no. like, oh, over here, it looks like uh, the land of the Hobbit. Yeah. And if you go this way, it's a, the Black pine, sand beaches. Yeah, black sand beaches. Then like over here, it's like pine forest, like, you know, yeah. like like Germany. Banana, and banana farms. Yes, and banana farms. Lovely <laughs> banana farms. They have a lot more than bananas. Again, more on that to come. But this this looks really cool. And I would I would go to this island okay, specifically so for it. Okay, well, that's where, that's where the rub is. The island is a two-hour flight from Spain. It's kind of remote, this this Canary Island. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot popping. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but you can island hop. Jaime was telling us that. Like, you can take a ferry from one island to another. And it's the same, it's like the same distance as going to Tenerife. But the article also mentioned Yelp reviews. You know, <laughs> there's a, they're all right. Three would, and a half stars. And I this it. might be a novelty thing where you just say, like, I ate from lava-heated chicken, but maybe the lava-heated chicken could use a little bit more spice. I don't know. I haven't been there yet. I would like to do it for the story. Okay. It's worth it to me. I'd no, rather do that than go paragliding. I'd rather go paragliding any day of the week. Really? Yes. We watched that happening. It didn't look safe. No, no, it's definitely not safe. But I don't want to. I don't want to get on a boat and go for like an hour and a half, and then to get in a cab and then like ride in the cab for forty five minutes to eat some mediocre chicken like why next you, to a volcano. Why are you so down on this island? We haven't even been. It could be nice. Oh, you're just saying it's good for the story. It's too much for the story. Okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll stay on Tenerife. <laughs> I'll paraglide around, enjoy the black sand beaches, and you know the the coffee with liquor in it. And you can just go on that trip and come back and tell me, show me pictures. Okay, okay sounds great. All right, next, over to Italy. The price of food is not only a problem here in America, but mm. also over there where pasta, the prices are rising and it's threatening the entire national yes, character. everything. So the government had to call a crisis meeting. Like <laughs> a crisis meeting. They literally did that. They're like, we need to talk about this. And I've found this extremely interesting from an economic standpoint. Me you know, too. I'm an econ econ economist. You're an I'm economist. an economist. I'm an economist. <laughs> <laughs> a world-renowned economist, and in my economical studies, um, they're like, the wheat costs less, so why does your pasta cost more? And the pasta people are like, okay, fair point. Counterpoint, everything else costs more to produce the pasta. Right, like, all including labor and, and all, materials. As I was like, reading this, I was like, sorry to interrupt. I was, I was on paragraph like five, and I was like, the Ukraine conflict is going to be in this somewhere somehow. And it's very deep, but it does get a mention. Yeah, it affects the wheat, right? Anytime prices go up on anything anywhere, the Ukraine conflict is involved. 
<laughs> it's true. Um, Pasta on the Shelves today was produced months ago when Durham wheat was purchased at high prices. It's also a long life for pasta, which I already knew, but like getting from the making to your plate. To the woods of New Jersey. <laughs> far <laughs> yes, far yes. too long. Yes. Far, far too long. Um, also, the pasta prices were up 17.5% when the rest of the inflation was only 8%. I mean, that, that's like, I mean, 8% like. 8% is a big number, too. I, I was like, wait, what? Let's think about France, which we talked about last week. If your baguette prices are going up, like, that's a huge yes. problem. Let's so, get Greg from Succession to chime in on this. <laughs> We need, they should have a contest too. Maybe that would help with like, like the way they have the baguettes oh, in France. I'm sure. You think there's not a pasta contest? There's probably one in like every city. And every constantly. type of pasta yeah. too as well. <laughs> Literally all the time. Um, all right. Next story. Over to Mallorca where once again, I'm obligated to remind you that Callie and I are recapping Love Island UK season mm. three over on Bachelor Party. It's really, I feel so connected to it. I'm, I'm actually am really glad I went to Mallorca before embarking on that yes, season. Yes, so now you can see, you know, you've been there. It like means so there. much to me. Yeah, yeah. At one point, there's like a Spanish woman speaking because there's like in a villa, like near regular people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that happening. Like, of course I could not. But like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I was there. I get it. Yes, totally but they do it. have like a big olive field in the backyard. Oh, that's nice. And I'm like, yes, very Mallorcan. There was olive trees olive everywhere. Olive overrated still. <laughs> um, and related to that, Mallorca is cracking down on British tourists, much like this is such a, Amsterdam this is, this was. This is going viral. This is like COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. So uh, I think one of the reasons they do Love Island UK and Mallorca is because it's really popular with British people as like a as like you know yes. an alternative to Ibiza, and um, they don't want it to be such. So whereas you used to be able to just have like a day party all the mm-hmm. time, or a boat party, a bo- there's or drink specials or unlimited brunches, drink bottomless brunches and things of that nature. No more. Yeah, no more. Um, there's like fines and and they're just doing a lot to like control these unruly British people. British people is is this like a chicken egg thing? <laughs> like did did this reputation lead to this? crackdown on this behavior or did this behavior lead to the reputation? That's a great question. I think that there's definitely an aspect of hooliganism in here. Like, for example, um, you can no longer (laughs) wear football uniforms. (laughs) You can no longer wear football uniforms in certain restaurants in Palma. Uh, You also can't go shirtless if you're not at the beach, which like I don't know. I, yeah. I, no shirt. I guess like no shirt, no shoes, no service. We have that here too. Sure. But I don't know. Also, they're cracking down on smoking, so you can can't smoke on many of the beaches. That seems like it hurts all Europeans, not just British. Yeah, I know. No, I, that's just British people can't smoke. Like the people that work <laughs> at the beach, they're they're very selective of how they enforce that. Also, they're like a reality show where they now have uh, drink limits at lunch. Three, yes. <laughs> three at lunch and three at dinner. So really? Even, yeah. Wait, hold on. Because if you're a Spanish person, you know they have these five-hour dinners where they have 12 <laughs> drinks. Like, they're not changing that. This, this is just for British people. I will say I was really happy that we did not have to eat really late in Spain. I was worried that I'd have to stay up late. And oh, I know. I and really, yes. I do not like to be, like, socializing after 10 yes. p.m. But, but the absolute one thing I learned about Juliet, which I absolutely loved learning, eventually it was the depreciation of Juliet over hangs. the course of the yeah, day over the course yeah. of the day catch me before 2 p.m breakfast with Juliet popping smiles laughs snapping the fingers <laughs> Did, like a dessert or an after dinner nightcap with nope. Juliet no thanks snooze I'm, I'm ready to leave you yes. goodbye <laughs> anyway this is like sucks for the hotels too but it's yeah this I mean this is more than you can drink on Bachelor in Paradise allegedly but still handle your shit Brits also one more there's new legislation that bans happy hours, pub crawls, and two-for-one drink offers in parts of Mallorca. I just feel like this is a really 
this is punishing too many people in its attempt to hold down the British people. Yeah, I I honestly think that they only enforce this for For, certain— For English speakers. Yes, yes. Do you think that we would be a part of that as Americans? I think you can tell we're American pretty quickly. Is that good or bad? Depends who you ask. Okay. All right, well, if you're looking for somewhere else to go, if you want to go up into the skies, you could have a Michelin-starred meal in a hot air balloon Mm. for $130,000. Not just any old hot air balloon. What is it, Jacob? It takes you to the stratosphere. Like, it's space adjacent. You're space adjacent, and you are being served, like, a three-course Michelin star meal, and it costs you $131,000. Does take you up really high. I literally can't think of anything worse than this. I I, I think it sounds cool. If, if it was free, I would do it, if, like, a bunch of other people had done it before, so I felt it was safe. But here's, here's, another, here's one thing I thought of, which just it tells you how insane my brain goes. Can a view get so high that it's no longer good? Like, I love a nice high view from, like, yeah, a rooftop a nice of a vista. skyscraper. Yeah. But I feel like that high, I'd be like, I can't see anything. It just looks like Earth is down there. <laughs> you know? Well, I sort of feel similarly where I'm like, can't we just, like, go to a planetarium? I'd rather have a date at a planetarium. Yeah, 20-minute nice planetarium <laughs> movie, and then we'll go out to dinner. Or just eat there, like, in Friends, you know? Yes. Are you, have you seen Friends? No. Like, never, right? No. So funny. I've seen a couple episodes here and there. Like There's I know a, their names of the characters. Ross is a paleontologist, so he takes Rachel to the museum for a date, and it's a great date. And except they fall asleep in one of the like dioramas. Oh, oh yeah, me and Quincy fell asleep in a planetarium. planetarium but we overnight? DC. Oh no, not overnight. No. <laughs> they like sleep there overnight, oh, and then like that's kids, cute. kids find them. Uh, yeah. it, it's fun. It's so funny. It's a really good episode. Great date. Great stuff. You know, I love museum dates. Um, so, what's your number that you would get paid to have this experience? There's a number for everything. What would someone have to pay you? One dollar less, you're not doing it at that dollar number you are doing it. Two, again, get three course, once in a lifetime experience, six hour round trip, Michelin star meal in space adjacent stratosphere in a hot air balloon. There's really nothing part, like there's no part of this that's particularly exciting to me. Like Michelin star meal, I live in New York. I can get that here. Uh, Mine is like, where do I go to the bathroom? It's six, I was thinking about, there for six hours. I was like, thinking about like, that too. How's the bathroom also, especially if you're drinking champagne. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I, there's no <laughs> price. Just, it's like, priceless. It's priceless because I priceless don't want to. Priceless for some people. Priceless for Juliet as well. Yeah. For very different reasons. <laughs> there's no price for me. What's Copy yours? I, I'll do it. Free. If you ask me for a dollar, no. But free, yes. Oh, God. I would do it. You're going to live. Are you? I don't yeah. know. I, I just, this is, seems like a disaster to me. I don't know why one would, would want to do this. But uh, similarly, I don't want to go to space. And they're also like, we're taking reservations for the end of 2024. Like, oh, okay, this is never going to happen. Never. Yeah, this is never going to happen. <laughs> no, thank yes, you. This is like the, something about her sandwich shop. It's just, it's, it's just an idea. It's not going not gonna to happen. I would pay, I will pay something about her to go there versus this where they can't even pay <laughs> okay, me. Fair, so fair, there's fair. that. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to today's taste test? Yes. It is from... Very special taste test today. Dulce's Kitchen. Dulce, the owner and purveyor of Finco Ecologica de Calabacera, mm-hmm. which is the banana farm we went to on Tenerife with Jaime. We've spoken at length about Dulce. And She's my style icon. The trip of to her farm and the various different things that we ate and things that we learned culminated in her open-air kitchen, which was just amazing. We've discussed it before in the podcast, but now you get to live that experience with us. Or at least try to imagine it. So 
So this is the sapote, is one of the fruits we have mm -hmm. there. So this is water of sapote negro, black sapote. Ooh. Wow, that's not what I was expecting. No. It's so refreshing. Yeah. It tastes Fresca? very different than it looks. Fantastico. Yeah. Si. Wow. Yeah, they mm. say it has a lot of good, healthy properties. Mm. It, it looks like it's going to be so... Like molasses. Yeah. But it's so... Yeah. It's, it's very light and refreshing. Really like, refreshing. I want to like drink this after playing basketball. Me too. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that. In South America, they really drink it. Oh. I love this. Why is this the first time I've had this? I don't life? know. It's delicious. Yeah. Why is this the first time I've ever had zapote negro? I don't know. <laughs> Lo siento, just... dulce. I'm not mm. done with the zapote mm. negro juice yeah, yet. Oh, I'm finishing everything. I'm not over this. <laughs> wow. I just want to cheers I... you about it because you're yeah. so happy. Cheers. I've never seen any seen this before. I've never heard it before. It is so good. Mm. Why have I never had this before? You know what this is? We're always looking for that perfect, like, low-cal, natural, mid-cal mid yeah. beverage. Yes. This is it. This is it. You know, and like... You're not, it's not gonna get better. Sapote negra. I don't know why I've never had this. I think we need. To, should you get your first tattoo, Sapote negra? No, I should not. But um, I should look into importing this <laughs> and selling it for twenty dollars a bottle. Sapote negra. Sapote negra. When I first saw it, I was a little freaked out. Like I was like, is it prune juice? Yes, it has. But that it look. is not. It looks like molasses. Like balsamic or something. It looks like molasses, but it tastes like. This is the one I want perfection. inside. You have You've always been like a juice guy, so this is big really, juice guy. This is yeah, really like big it. for you. Yes, like, I've always been a smoothie guy. Like, can yeah, you imagine going back to Robex it. after this? No, I want. <laughs> I want to open a Robex. <laughs> She's talking that you have to go a week, a week, a whole week, a whole week. Of what? A whole week to make a proper introduction oh. of all these flavors. Wait, I'm kind of, I'd like to come back if you have us. What about a, a year? <laughs> Can I have a year? <laughs> you have to work. No problem. <laughs> this is a real treat. It is. This stuff is so good. Sapote negra. Sapote negra. I have to keep saying it so I don't forget. <laughs> oh, why did it take me 44 years to find this juice? It's your platonic ideal of a juice. It really is. So this is really excellent for, for the dessert lifestyle. It's like all mm -hmm. my favorite element, elements of dessert without the added sugar. I, I like love, as you probably noticed, I love sweets so much. <laughs> so this has been great. I don't think I'm I never going to forget, I'll never this, forget this experience. Yeah. <laughs> In addition to that Zapote Negro, which was delicious. Life-changing. Platonic ideal. Um, the other things that we had from her were... So the best, much. The best papaya I've ever had. Easily. Easily. It, and, was, it, made, it was like a different fruit. It really was. It was like having like a just, yeah, like a different fruit. I don't even know how to say Very it. Very different fruit. The texture was different. It was so juicy. It was Light so fresh. Light and crisp. It wasn't chalky at all. It was, oh, perfect. I just loved it. And then we had like several different kinds of passion fruit. I didn't even know there were multiple different kinds of no. passion fruit or that you could just eat it straight out of the rind. It was so good. But it was almost like, hey, hey, here's lemonade. Here's strawberry lemonade. Here's mango lemonade. Like she's like, here's passion fruit. Here's strawberry yeah. passion fruit. Here's, I was like, what is this? It was so cool. And also she grows all of these on her own farm mm -hmm. um and they were explaining that they're actually mostly fruits that are native to subtropical and like south and south america but 
that is why Tenerife is so cool. Is like it has like this really unique climate where a lot of things can happen. Many climates. Many it's climates. It's not a unique climate. <laughs> yeah. It's got it's got all the climates in this one tiny island. All the climates you could possibly want. Um, and then she also gave us olive oil, and as you all know, it's a hot topic between Jacoby and I. Um, and wine. So like Dulce offered all of the finest things in this in this life. It was awesome. It was. I think that was my top food experience of the whole trip. But there was a couple others that I also really loved. And I've had a few weeks to think it over. And the ones that really stuck out for me were really good. And I was thinking for this week's personal food news, just run down some of our favorites. Some of our favorites. I'm ready to go. All right. I mean, as per usual, I'd like to go first. We know how this goes. You don't have to say it anymore. (laughs) All right. There were, I would say, three different items or experiences that really suck out for me and I go back to in my head time and time again. Good. I've got two, so I'll, I'll we'll go back and forth. Okay. Number one for me was this shrimp paella-like dish at our uh, hotel, the uh, mm-hmm. um, Royal Hideaway Corrales Resort in Tenerife. It, I was waiting for it for a long time. It took a long time for them to make it because they well, were like... Well, it was, a, it was sort of like a buffet dinner situation. Yeah, but they they had to make a new batch mm-hmm. and they were had to like burn off all of the liquid. And so it took a long time for the rice and the shrimp to really get all saucy and And they, they make and it in a, a circular uh, pan, which is the size of like a garbage pail top. Like, yeah. like a Like a uh, Oscar the Grouch garbage pail top size. It was, I think, even bigger. I think Oscar would yeah. be like, wow, two of me can yeah. fit in there. <laughs> it came up. <laughs> and it was so, and then it was so good. It was like so flavorful, per- yes. perfect texture. The shrimp was cooked really well. It was like the best version of paella. It wasn't a classic paella, but it was no. so, it was, it was more, like a shrimp paella. Yeah. It was just so, so delicious. I yes. really loved that. And also it was like, at the buffet, that's part of the stay at the hotel, which like shows you like the baseline of excellence of the hotel. Yes. And I remember I was like, oh, I'm going to try some of that. So you put some on your plate and then you go back and you sit down and you have a bite of it. And you're like, oh, I'm just going to eat that now yeah. exclusively. So uh, it yes. was so good. Why, why, would I, why would I not eat anything else? That was so good. <laughs> I loved it. Um, mine was a very different. This was definitely a different experience. It was not sort of like a buffet situation with large Oscar the Grouch sized things. We were at the restaurant in Malaga called? Los Patios de Beatas. Great. Um, and one of the first things they brought us, right? They're very excited to have us. So we were excited to have be there. It was and, awesome. And there's like the menu was kind of strange looking. Remember they had like the tuna lasagna. That's where we had the famous tuna. And we were like yeah. very like it was just kind of like I, don't, I couldn't visualize Won't what we were eating that evening. Yeah. And the first thing they brought us was um, in uh, Ojo Blanco, which is a gazpacho, like a, a, a garlic based gazpacho that had was beet infused. Right. So first they come over with a bowl that has a a dollop of mango sorbet in it and a basically uncooked small shrimp. Yeah. And you're looking at that and being like, oh, shrimp and ice cream. Sure. Of course. And then they come over and pour on top of that a hot purple liquid, like a light purple creamy liquid that they then put on the ice cream slash shrimp. I'm looking at this being like, all three of these things make sense independent of each other, but I would never imagine putting them together outside of like the sink or the trash can. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then, so we're, this is the first dish that we had, and it's very top chefy. It's very much like it's. It it's was a the most showy, top chef like experience yeah, I've and ever and had. And like the colors, you know what I mean? It was it was really nice. And then I put the spoon into the food and put the food into my mouth. <laughs> wow! It was so good. Wow. I loved it too. Garlic soup and mango ice cream are a great combination. I don't know how we anyone figured that out, but it was perfect. And very refreshing. It was a really yes. good like early yes. early in the meal because it was Absolutely. like 
quenched your thir- thirst. It was also and it was truly like experiential. Yeah, it really was. It looked cool. the 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 presentation was cool, and it was just so like jarring that it, it didn't look like what it tasted like. And it was unique to that restaurant in Malaga. In, it's unique to that restaurant in the world. I don't yeah. think anyone else is serving <laughs> purple garlic soup, shrimp, mango ice cream. They should, though. They should. If they can do it right. Yes. Only if they can do it right. It was really delicious. Um, all right. Number two for me, when we were in Mallorca, we took an afternoon trip. We uh, drove around the island a little bit to go see some other parts. We were staying in mm-hmm. Palma. And we drove up to Dea, which is like an artist colony. And there's a like very, yes. I think, like kind of famous hotel there called La Residencia. And we did a proper tea. This, and- is, this is, first of all, this is great Juliet planning. Thank you. You know, Juliet's like, let's go to this place an hour away and have tea. And me and Mike are like, okay, Juliet. <laughs> we were, we were let's like, let's go get tea an hour and a half away. And it was awesome. It, it was, was awesome. It was so beautiful there. It was like also like a totally different setting than what we yes. had in Palma. This is on Mallorca. And we had a, a proper tea. Like, yeah. you know, they bring out the plat, like the, the platter of, uh, finger sandwiches mm-hmm. and scones. We each got to pick our own tea. And I had a, a vanilla tea that I've like been thinking about ever since. And like, I want to have it at home, but I'm worried that it would, if I bought a vanilla no tea, chance. it won't taste anything like that. It would ruin my memory of how good it was in Mallorca. And I absolutely loved it. Also, we had so much food from this that I brought it home because and ate it for dinner. If you go to Sugarfish, like the sushi place, you can kind of, just, they're like, hey, do you want anything else? It's kind of like a, it's not all you can eat, but they're like, if you are still hungry, we're happy to get you some more of your favorite stuff. And the finger sandwiches were kind of the same. Yeah. And we got a, the... But it's it, a, pro, a proper tea in England and elsewhere, when done right, is bottomless. Yes. So everything is unlimited. The champagne, the tea, the food. You can just keep getting more and more. And it's fucking great. And I could have sat there Two for minutes. a million hours. Well, it was such a nice setting, too. Yes. We were like nestled in the mountains, but also really close to the Mediterranean. You could you could feel both. And it's like an artist town. So it was just really cool. It was awesome. And we all agreed that the best finger sandwich was cream cheese, cucumber, and white, white bread. bread. It was awesome. It was so good. <laughs> it, was, I, I, it was so good. I, I had it for dinner that night as well. I was yes. like, I'm just having leftovers. Well, you took, you took leftovers. <laughs> and there's a part of me that's like, do I knock on Juliet's door <laughs> and be like, do you don't have to put clothes on. Just slide the cucumber sandwich under the door. <laughs> it was really good. I wouldn't have had any left because I ate them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your other one? Um, my other one was simple. It's based on an experience like many are just based on my ignorance. And this was the um, Tenerife cheese plate mm. that was just basically all goat cheeses. Mm. But it wasn't just all goat cheeses. Like when I think of goat cheese, I think of a soft cheese like um you know like a crumble in a salad or sort of you know like a like a soft kind of creamy cheese sure they had hard parmesan style goat cheese they had the full regular gamut. they had the whole spectrum of goat cheeses that really opened my eyes to the versatility of goat milk in a way that i only reserved for cow's milk previously mm. Yeah, it was really good. The Parmesan one was particularly delicious. Because really I never have a, a goat like that. That's like a heart, a and firm it, yeah, cheese. Yeah, it wasn't as like sharp and hard. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, okay, last one. I had a lot of iced coffee on this trip and in Europe. It, uh, not just on this trip. Seconds. In general. Iced coffee is a really big part yes. of my life. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. not willing to give it up whilst in Spain. Yes. In Tenerife, in fact, this one guy at the um, Royal Hideaway. Club. Oh, the question. Yeah. Love this story. <laughs> this is like, this is... One of my favorite things to happen on the trip. We were at, we were having uh, lunch at the Royal Hideaway Corrales Resort. Mm-hmm. But the poolside cafe. The poolside. Let me Atlantic set, let me set the setting a little bit of the servers. They're all extremely handsome Spanish dudes with beards and like really well-fitting. Well, we thought they were Spanish. Lightweight 
blazer t-shirt combos. Yeah, they're like these debonair Europeans. Yes. And this guy, I'm like, can I get a nice coffee for lunch? And he's like, okay. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Because I'm Italian and these yes. Spanish, they don't know what they're <laughs> yeah, doing. He's like, when you say iced coffee, like, what exactly he said, are you what envisioning? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, what does that mean <laughs> to you? I like that too. He's like, yeah, I, I understand that there's iced coffee, but what, what, is, what do you want? It was so, I loved it. It was so incredible. It's also like he really got it. He does understand that like you have a specific coffee order and you want it to be the way that you're imagining it. And he fucking nailed it. And he yes, brought he me did. an incredibly delicious, I think it was an iced Americano. Yes. And it was so good. It really hit the spot. And then he pointed at the barista and he's like, that guy, he's Italian, Italian. like me. Yes. And so it was also some great Italian Spanish shade. I yes. loved it. He was like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. calling into question the bona fides of all of his Spanish uh, colleagues. And we went back to the same place the next day and you were like, can I have a nice coffee? I think it was a different person. And you're like, let me explain. Yeah. Well, I appreciated yes, that he yes. gave me the heads up that I needed to be crystal clear about what I was looking for. Yes. And do, it, do you want it did me to pour well. drip coffee over ice? Do you want iced no, no, espresso? No. We never it, want yeah, We was, iced what? coffee enthusiasts never, yes, yes. ever yes. want that. So he, he was, he, that was a real, that was a real moment between you guys. And it was a mutual I'll appreciation. I'll remember it forever. Mutual appreciation was, was established there. I am not joking. I'll remember it forever. <laughs> <laughs> it was phenomenal. <laughs> um. All right. Well, thanks everyone for following along on our exploits in Spain. We had a great time. I uh, hope you enjoy the content. Thank you to Mike Wargon and Ronick Nair. We'll be back next week. Today's episode was brought to you by United Airlines. The flights to Barcelona, Madrid, Mallorca, Tenerife, Canary Islands, and new nonstop service to Malaga. It's now easier than ever to plan a culinary tour across Spain. Plan your trip today at united.com. Remember, flight schedules are subject to change.